So this morning, we're going to go ahead and, and be ministering on the subject of expressive worship. And I forgot to put a title screen up, so it says expressive worship, right? I want you to th- imagine that right now, expressive worship. That's what that says up there. It is a nice font. If you were in the spirit, you could see it. <laughs> so worship is an integral part of a believer's life. I just want you guys to know that worship is an integral part of your life as a believer. Because you guys know where the word worship comes from? It actually is from, from the English words worth and ship. It's, it's, to, it's to bestow worth on something. That's the whole point of worship is to bestow worth on something. And we do it as Christians in a variety of ways. We, we honor God and we show God His worth in a variety of different ways. And some of those is, is acting obediently. We're, we're saying, God, we believe that you are worth being obedient to. And we act obediently. That's one of the ways that we show worship to God. Also, when we're at our jobs and we're working, at just in our normal job, working your best unto the Lord, not as unto man, is a way that we honor God as well. And not only that, as we talked about this morning, we, we show God His worth when we, when we give. We also show God His worth when we, just like this morning, with singing and with shouting, and with whistling, with dancing. We use instruments to show God His worth to worship. And we, we lift up our, our holy hands when we worship. And many times you'll see people kneeling as they are honoring God and worshiping Him. Sometimes we lower our eyes. Sometimes we raise our eyes to the heavens. Worship isn't a canned thing. It's not a, it, there's not a one-size-fits-all. There's no, nowhere in the Scripture do you see the, this is the requirements for worship. We do it in a multitude of different ways. But the important part is that we are doing it because God is worthy of our worship. And today I want to specifically speak on, on the more expressive parts of worship. And I recognize there are times for somber reflection and somber worship. There are times when, when you just want to, to kneel down and bow before the Lord and, and you just listen. With the prayer meeting this Friday, uh, me and, it was just me and Joseph here and we're praying. And, and really it was Joseph primarily praying and, and I just I felt like it was a time to listen. So I didn't pray that much, but I just kept and knelt down on the ground and, and, and just honored and worshiped my God. Sometimes worship looks like that. But sometimes, I think we need to get a little bit loud. Sometimes, that, that's what this whole point of this morning is. I want to encourage you to be able to worship freely, to worship passionately our Lord and Savior, particularly without fear of, of I think that's our biggest fear when we worship is, what is, is anybody going to look at me? What are they going to think if I, if I raise my hands? I think that's the primary limiting factor, is that we're so worried that so, it's like, if I raise my hand, is the music going to screech to a halt and everybody going to turn around and stare just at me? Are they going to point and laugh if I, if I begin singing loudly? Are they going to, you know, like we, somehow we have it in our head that, that, that if we do anything, we're going to feel so awkward and weird. What will they think? What will they say? Well, just to let you know, no one, most of us aren't even paying attention to anybody else. Our eyes are closed, our hands are raised. And we're, we're worshiping God. Nobody cares what somebody else is doing because worship is not about you and somebody else. Worship is not about you and the people around you. It's about you giving thanks and honoring God. And you've seen over the past you know, month or a couple months, we've made a lot of changes up here with the worship team. And everything that we've done has been in an effort to make it easier for everybody to just worship freely, to kind of get out of the way. You guys have noticed we've removed almost all the stands 
that stand between the worship team and you guys. And uh, the, main, the primary reason, for the thinking behind that is that it's removing a barrier between us and you. So that we're not, we're not separate than you. We're worshiping with you. That's the idea behind that, is that there's not something in between us, but we can worship together as one. We've changed how the audio works, removed the front speakers. We've, we've tried to put in-ear monitors so we can hear ourselves to be effective at leading, but not affect what's going on out there. And we're still working on the sound. We're getting there. But it's, it's been making a huge difference to, to allow us to worship with you instead of against you or over top of you. You know, we don't want to be so loud that you're, you're, you're coming to a concert. We're worshiping with you. And we've brought in more singers and more instruments to kind of help with that flow so we can stop being concerned with all this other stuff but just close our eyes and get into the moment and worship God. You'll notice that without having stands also, we've memorized the music up here. Sometimes it works better than others, but the primary purpose for that is if you've memorized the music, you're not being distracted by looking at a page. And I would encourage all of you to attempt to memorize the music as well because it's much easier to worship and close your eyes when your eyes aren't glued to a screen. That's also the reason why you'll notice that we, we only do four songs on Sunday. We do three on Wednesdays. We've, we used to do six songs on Sunday. We've lowered the amount of songs. One, so that it's easier for you, for you guys to memorize as well as for us. It's, it's, if there's less songs, there's less that we have to focus on. So we can stop focusing on the words and just worship God. We also don't have as many songs as in our rotation anymore either. We actually have, and I know this is kind of inside baseball, it's behind the scenes, but I want you to see that something we care about, it's something we think about. We have 15 songs in the rotation that we do on, on our services. And every time we bring in a new song, we take one out. So there's only a certain amount of songs in rotation just so it's easier for us to memorize them and focus on God and not focus on the mechanics of what we're doing. And you'll also notice that a lot of the songs are kind of repetitive. They're kind of the the same thing. They're not super difficult songs. That's also the point so we can memorize them and worship them without stuff standing in our way. Because we want to be able to just let it all go and worship God without thinking about anything but Him without worrying about the words, but just honoring Him. That's why we've added a lot more time to just worship freely as well. And some of you guys, if you've not been involved in that, it probably just feels weird. Like there's no words on the screen. Everybody's just singing their own thing. This just kind of feels kind of awkward. This feels kind of weird. But it's a time that we can just sing and honor God in our own words. We don't have to think about anything else, but just give Him thanks. And if you don't know what to sing, just start singing Scripture to Him. That's the easiest thing to say. Same like when you pray to God. If you don't know what to pray, just begin praying Scripture. That's definitely in accordance with the Word of God. It is His Word. Amen? So I want to read to you a couple of uh, expressions of this kind of worship in the Scripture before we get into what the Scripture says about this. We're going to look at 2 Samuel 6, 1-5. And it says, David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel... 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who went with him from, from Baal Judah to bring up there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abin, that word, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and, ah, and Ayo, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart. 
with the ark of God, and Ayo went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel were making merry before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. See, I want to show you, this is, they're bringing in the, the, the ark of the covenant, the ark of God, and they're bringing it from Judah to Jerusalem. And when they're bringing it in, and you guys, as, we, as you guys have, have heard, and, and we all got tested in our, uh, our little Bible trivia the other day, the ark contained the Ten Commandments, the two tablets. It contained uh, a, a container of manna, and it contained Aaron's rod. And it's also, this was the meeting place of God. This is where Moses used to go in and meet with God. So this is, this, the ark of the, the covenant had a, the ark of God, it was a, it was a significant part of their life. It's, it's where they saw God was. It's where God came to meet them. And they're bringing it into the city. They're bringing it back into Jerusalem. And there's, there's 30,000 men. And then it says, all of the house of Israel. So David's got 30,000 men with him. And then the entirety of Israel is rejoicing because the, the ark is coming home. And you know what? It didn't look like just kind of singing real quietly, looking at the words, nobody's moving. It says, they were making merry before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. How many of you guys, actually I know you guys know, tambourines can be loud. (laughs) Cymbals can be loud. This wasn't a quiet type of worship. They were singing. They were rejoicing. They had lyres and harps, which are stringed instruments, and tambourines and cymbals, which are just loud. I mean, you see uh, uh, cymbals are just big, giant discs of metal that clang together. Matter of fact, you can't even make melody with them. They're just percussive, loud instruments. But they were like, we're going to make a noise for the Lord. I don't know what a castanet is. Anyone know what a castanet is? Oh, a little. Ah. They didn't mess around. They were making noise. They were honoring God. They were, the entire house of Israel was being expressive in their worship. This wasn't quiet, somber worship. This was loud. And truthfully, it may not have been all that melodic with tambourines and cymbals. That was just, they were making a joyful noise to the Lord. And then as we go on to the story, if you guys know the story, they're, they're, they're taking it, it begins to tip over, and, and one of the guys reaches out to, to stable it, and, and he dies because he's not one of the priests. He shouldn't have touched the ark. That would be a, David got mad <laughs> at that point. He's like, wait a minute, God, he was just trying to... But anyway, read the rest of the story if you want to know what happened there. That's an interesting one. But anyway, they leave it at uh, Obed-Edom's house because... David didn't want to take it anymore. He didn't know what was going on. didn't know why the guy just died at first. And they leave it at this place. And, and all of a sudden, this guy is just getting his socks blessed off. Everything is just going great for this guy. And they finally understood that the reason why uh, that, that happened was because he wasn't a priest. And you had to be a priest to, to interact with the ark. And after they decided that, they go. And David goes to get the ark again. He's going to bring it into the city. And in 2 Samuel 6, 12 through 15, it says, And it was told... King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belonged to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound 
of the horn. Once again, we're seeing an incredible amount of expressive worship. Matter of fact, David went a little, little bit nuts, went a little bit crazy here. So first off, it says he stripped down to, where is it at? He was just wearing a, a linen effort. And basically that was, depending on which scholar you read about or which commentator, some say he stripped down to his small clothes, basically he stripped down to his underwear. Others say that he, he, he dressed in the, it was kind of like the, the common priestly guard. It wasn't the, like the high priest effort. It was just a, a plain uh, a cloth that the priest would wear is what was given to even as, as you were a boy bring, brought in the priesthood. This was the clothes that they gave you. And, but it was very plain. It definitely wasn't very kingly. No matter what it was, whether it was his, his underwear or more likely it was the priest garb, it ticked Michal off because, and that was, that was a, a Saul's daughter. So this is what it says in 2 Samuel 6.20, a little bit later. It says, And David returned to bless his household. But Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Whatever he was wearing did not make her very happy. Basically, he shed the garments of a king and put on this priestly garment. And she didn't think it was fitting for a king to be wearing the same thing that every, every priest, even the lowest of all the priests, would wear. He wasn't doing something befitting of a king. And he began to dance around. Apparently, she thought it was somewhat revealing as well because she thought that he was exposing himself to these, to these young servants that were around. But I love David's response to her in 2 Samuel 6, 21-22. It says, And David said to, to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as a prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord, and I will yet make myself more contemptible than this. Basically, he was saying, you know what? I will get crazier than this. I will, I, I'm not concerned about what you think when I'm worshiping God because my eyes are on him. I'm not worried about where your eyes are at. And he began to dance. He began to, this was an expression of worship. This wasn't, I mean, this is carrying one of the, the, the most holy thing that these people have. And it's not a time of somberness. It's not a time of reflection. Instead, it's a time of rejoicing and yelling and screaming and shouting with the sound of a horn. Because they were just going to give God glory for, for who he was because he was worth it. And, and David didn't care what people around him were thinking. He just wanted to give God the glory. And the truth is, our bodies are to be used to worship God. In Romans 12.1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Our bodies are to be a part of glorifying God. We don't just think good thoughts to God. We don't just sing to God, but we're supposed to use our bodies. And it's been this way since the beginning. God was always honored with our bodies. The truth is, is that we were made for His pleasure. Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And if you think about it, this is, this is kind of how we work as humans. Right, Because we can tell if somebody's being genuine by how they use their bodies. 
When, when people talk to you, if they're not being honest, they'll, they'll, they'll deflect their head down, and we use body language to tell what's going on. Something that I'm always conscious when I speak to people that I don't do it intentionally is, is fold my arms when somebody's talking to me. Or if you've ever noticed when somebody is done talking to you, they're trying to get away, they'll begin to turn their body away from you. These are all signals that we use with our body to indicate what we're thinking, what we're doing. what we're, We all use our bodies to communicate. And it's no different than when we, we do that to God. And even animals, we, we can even read animals with how they use their body. Have you guys ever seen a dog shaking its butt and wagging its tail so hard that it's almost like turning itself in circles? Well, you know, that dog's excited. And that's kind of what should be true about us. You don't have to waggle your butt, but you should use your bodies to express joy into the Lord. We should see it in your eyes and how you're moving your body. But when someone is reserved and monotone, it's almost unnatural. When you, when you don't get any expression, when you don't get any emotion from somebody, it's, it's, it's very difficult to communicate with them. It's very difficult to interact with them because you can't tell what's actually going on. It's one of the reasons why communicating with text is so difficult because we can't see we can't see the cues that we're so used to with people's body and the inflection in their voice and all of those things. So sometimes we get offended for no reason because we don't, because sometimes the words don't actually have all the meaning that we're looking for. And if you saw somebody standing and just going, Lord, I love you, you're the best. Or if you saw somebody jumping up and down and screaming and shouting, who would you be more convinced to love the Lord? The truth is, is that we should honor God with our bodies. Philippians 1.20 says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether life or by death. These are pretty powerful words here. Because he says, I will not be at all ashamed. But I think this is one of the greatest reasons that people hold back. We're ashamed of what we're doing. We're ashamed that someone might, might think something weird about us if we, if we begin to worship freely, if we lift our hands, if we scream and shout. Matter of fact, it might even make you feel uncomfortable when somebody else does it. This morning during the worship, there was, there was a lot of screaming and shouting, youting, youting, screaming and shouting. Youting is yelling and shouting at the same time. It's intense. And there was some youting this morning. I could tell because I could hear it through, even though I had my, my earphones in, I could still hear it. And some of you guys might have, might have felt even uncomfortable with that. But the truth is, they were just honoring God. And it had nothing to do with you. We're so worried about what other people are going to think of us that it limits how we interact with God or with other people. I always see it a lot when new visitors come here, when they start coming. I've seen it in most of you when you guys first started coming here, and you started and worship was going, and there's no moving, there's no clapping, just some looking around. I don't know if you thought we were crazy or you're afraid to do something that we might think you were crazy. But it's funny watching the transition as people come here for a while and they begin to loosen up and they begin to realize that no one's here to judge them for what they're doing. We're just honoring God. We're just going to worship God. But we're so worried that we might think that someone will think we're a little crazy if we lift our hands 
or maybe we, we shout a little bit or we clap a little bit or we dance a little bit. We think that people are going to think we're bonkers. And it's, and it's funny, too, because I see the look on people's faces as I open my eyes and I look and people are just like, some people are looking around thinking everybody's crazy. And, and, then, and then there's some people that are, that are they're, they're feeling it out, you know, so they're like, You know, it's, it's funny why. You guys should be up here sometimes watching people. But it's, it's because we're trying to, they're trying to, put, at least they're moving forward. At least they're pressing forward. The truth is, is we shouldn't be ashamed to worship. But at the same token, I remember what it was like the first time I, I lifted my hands. Because really, this is what you think is going to happen. Everyone's singing and you're like, and you're going to hear, the music stops and everyone just stops and looks at you. That's what we feel like is going to happen. But it doesn't. Because nobody's here for you. I guess that's hard to think. No one's here for you. They're here to honor God. Don't be afraid to worship God with your body. Don't be afraid to lift your hands, to clap, to shout, to yell, to yout. Any of those things. Give thanks and praise in your own words. You don't have to raise your hands, but uh, I imagine there's still some of you right now that when we do that time of free worship, I say, you know what, just begin to sing out to the Lord with your own voice. You're uncomfortable with that. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. You think, if I say the wrong thing, are they going to notice and, and, and turn around like, what is she singing? What is he singing? What are they doing? You don't have to be a poet to honor God. It just comes from the heart. And like I said, you can cheat, read the Bible, and use those words. You don't have to use your own. And that's what the Psalms is full of, of people worshiping and honoring God. Or even to, to manifest the gifts of the Spirit, singing in tongues. And that's probably one of the biggest ones. When people hear us singing tongues every now and then, they're like, there's a bunch of weirdos in this church. I'm actually okay with that, because if you think about it, it's kind of weird. But it's scriptural. It doesn't make sense. We do it in faith. And we're going to honor God in the Spirit with our regular words. And it doesn't matter what other people think. As long as your eyes are on Him. And there's a long tradition of people using their body to honor God. Job 1.20 says, And Job arose and tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. Job fell on the ground and worshipped. Now, I'm thankful that shaving your head isn't a continually practiced today way of worshiping. Actually, I'm, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, you would too. We're already good. Matter of fact, that's why we shave our head. We're worshiping God. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he, he arose and he fell to the ground and worshiped. You know, I have to be honest with you. That's one of the hardest things that even today that I, that I, that I do is when I kneel down and begin to pray to God, I, I don't do it very often. Unfortunately, because in my head, I still fight that. Like, man, this looks kind of weird. It feels kind of weird. As we were praying on Friday, I, I, God specifically told me, get on the ground. And I'm like, what if somebody sees me? And he's like, it's just Joseph here. <laughs> and he's already doing it. <laughs> you know, but sometimes we just got to get over it. Get over ourselves. Because it's not about us. It's about him. 
Psalms 95.6 says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Some of you guys right now are like, that's where that song came from. But sometimes we come before, we bow down, we kneel before Him, and we honor Him in that way. But that's using your body. Psalms 47.1 says, Clap your hands, all people shout to God with loud songs of joy. Let's not be afraid to clap. I know that we've had our challenges as a church with clapping. We have got, we're getting better, but we've got the drums going now. That helps us a little bit. Now I notice when we clap, we're staying on beat. We're getting, man, you guys remember before the drums showed up? Oh, most rhythmically challenged church that ever existed. Man, we wouldn't make it in the South. I mean, they'd kick us out of the church. You got to be able to clap over there. But let's not be afraid to clap, even if we are a little bit off. You know, one of the things that I respect and love about my wife the most is that she gets up here and claps. If you know her, she literally does not hear rhythm. Like, and I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand because it just, it's natural for me. I, I, I tell her, I'm like, she's like, how do you do it? I'm like, you just feel it. She's like, I don't feel nothing. <laughs> but she watches people and she claps with them. And it's funny because she'll get distracted and she'll be the one that's just all over the place. But you know what? That's never, even when I tease her, it's never stopped her from doing it. Because she's not doing it for me or you. She's doing it to honor God. Let's not be afraid to Shout and sing loudly either. Sometimes we need to lift our voice to the Lord. And nobody cares if you can sing except for you. Least of all, God. There's no requirement in the scripture that says, sing a new song to the Lord if your voice is okay. It just says sing. And if you're really concerned about singing, the scripture says that we're to offer a sacrifice of praise. It's really a sacrifice for you if you're so concerned about it. Just offer it as a sacrifice of praise. Who cares? And you know, something else that I see when people talk about lifting up your hands and shouting. I don't watch sports much right now. It's funny. It's one of the, the ways that I relate the least to all the guys in this church is because I'm not a sports guy. I used to be when I was growing up, and then every sport struck while I was in high school. And, and I remember I was playing high school football, and I thought, I would play for the rest of my life for free, and you guys are whining that you're not making enough millions. And it just turned me off to pro sports, and I never really got back into it. But I remember growing up that me and my stepdad, we'd sit down and watch games, and you know, when our team scored, we were jumping up. and we, This is at home, just us. But we're still yelling and screaming and shouting. And, and I've been to, I know that's what happens in Super Bowl games when we come and, and visit people and hang out. And, and people are screaming and yelling and they're shouting and they're jumping up and down. We were on our feet cheering. Yet sometimes trying to get those very same people to do that here in the church for God I mean, they're all about jumping up and down and screaming for, for guys running around in tight pants, but they can't jump up and down for Jesus? I mean, if you go to a live sporting event, anybody ever been to a live sporting event? Man, look out. It gets crazy at live sporting events. Why do we feel so insecure at a church lifting our hands and yelling for the Lord, but we can go to these games and, and just lose our minds? 
I mean, that's what I want to see in the church is people just losing their minds for Jesus a little bit. I'm not asking you to show up in body paint, family of five, you know, J-E-S-U-S on your chest. But people will do that for go to a football game, right? Maybe we could just open up a little bit to God because he's way more worthy of our praise than any football team, amen? Psalm 134.2 says, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. You know, all these things we've talked about, we're looking at our instruction on how to mobilize our body to worship God. And here's the practical side of that. It says, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. When you are worshiping God, you are being a blessing to him. And the practical side of that is, when I say, I love you to my wife, that's better than thinking it, right? Just thinking it is okay, but when I tell her, that's even better. And it's still more emotional engaging for both of us if I express it tangibly with a hug or with a kiss or doing the dishes. The house was clean when she came home last night. I just want you guys to know that. Because I love my wife. I love my wife, and I can tell my kids to do it. So, <laughs> just kidding. I did the kitchen. I, we, we do the kitchen. But if we express it tangibly, it, it's, it has more impact, right? And the same is true with God. We can think that we love him, and that's good. And we can say that we love him, and that's even better. But when we can express it tangibly, it has even more impact not just for him, but for us as well. And if it's new to you, the simplest thing that you can do is just begin to raise your open hands up. You know, it's, it's not that high. Most people won't be able to see you. And it's just, a, it's just a, it's an expression of surrender. That's all it is, is saying you're just opening yourself up. You know, if you think about any, any type of, of, of martial arts or, or boxing or fighting, any of that stuff, they teach you to keep your hands up in front of yourself because that's protection. But when you open yourself up, it's vulnerability. Nobody would ever go into a fight like this. That's what the point is. So just begin to, to lift your hands, Paul, and express that surrender to your God. Or we begin to, to raise our hands, we lift them up. And that's also an expression of surrender as well. Because what, what does somebody say when they come, the police say, or a robber or whoever, when they come with a gun, what do they say? Hands up. It's, it's a, an expression of surrender, vulnerability. It's also a picture of when, you're, when your kids run towards you. Like if you have a, a, a baby running towards you, what do they do when they want to be held? Hands out, arms up. It's an expression of worship. And there's nothing weird about it. Something crazy about it. And that's how we all started, really. I'm not asking you to change overnight. Just start making progress. Stop being, let's, let's stop being so concerned about what other people think and, and instead be concerned about our God. Amen? You see, because if you'll just start with little steps pretty soon... You'll be throwing your arms in the air and waving them like you just don't care. Except for this time, it'll be for Jesus. Amen. About half of you didn't, didn't get that song reference. I'm a little hurt.
Psalm 61, 1 through 8 says, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer from the end of the earth. I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Selah, for you, O God, I've heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Next thing you can do is besides lifting up your hands and mobilizing your bottles, begin to verbalize your thoughts as well. Did you know that worship... When, you use, when we use words, and words, it's just a prayer. All we're doing is praying to God. Many of you guys uh, will notice with, with, with me that something you may not be used to, but I rarely, begin this, I rarely begin worship with a prayer. And some of you guys may be wondering why I don't. But it's because our entirety of our worship is prayer to God. That's what worship is. This is not a... You know, Sunday morning worship is not a concert where the words mean nothing. We're not here to just watch the people up on stage perform and entertain us, but we're here to worship. That's why we've done so many things is, is because Sunday morning should be a time where we all engage together and not just the people up front sing to put on a show. We're singing to Him. We're praying to Him as we sing. To think and silently praise God is one thing, but to express those thoughts with your words is an entirely different thing. It's the difference between knowing I love my wife and telling her. Telling her not only affirms my love for her, but it reinforces and strengthens my love for her internally as well. And worship isn't just for God, it's for you too. That's what this was about here. He's, he's, he's here, my God. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. And I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. God hears you when you sing, when you worship, and that's it's just prayer. Psalm 33, 1 says, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. You know, whatever we do, we just need to make sure we're doing it passionately. It's going to look different for all of us. There's no right or wrong way to worship God as long as He's your focus. But let's just make sure we're doing it with passion. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. I believe the Lord is pleased when we're in intense worship because love needs to be expressed. It needs to be shown. That's how we know people love us, is when they express it. There's a story of a couple that went to a marriage counselor, and the wife complained that her husband never told her that he loved her. And he said, I told you that 20 years ago, and I haven't taken it back. It doesn't have the same meaning, though, right? It doesn't have the same feeling. See, a lot of couples kind of fall into this perfunctory kind of relationship, this kind of just going through the motions kind of thing. They get up in the morning, they give each other a quick kick. <laughs> 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 Hallelujah. 
give each other a quick peck on the cheek. <laughs> uh. Yeah, there's a, but there's a goodbye kiss every morning, but there's no passion. There's no feeling behind it. It's just what they do. And I think too many Christians fall into that with the Lord as well. We've, we've lost our passion. We've lost, like the, the church that was spoken of in Revelations, you've lost your first love. It's like I, he says, God says to that church, you guys are doing the right things. I appreciate that. You guys are saying the right things, doing the right things. You're helping the right people. But you've lost your first love because there was no passion, no expressiveness with our love. That's what happens to many of us Christians. We just go to church and we go through the motions and we forget what we're doing it all for in the first place. It's like a peck on the cheek to the Lord. We don't want to be having that kind of relationship with Him. It needs to be passionate. In Revelation 3, 15 through 16, it says, I know your works. You are neither hot. You are neither cold nor hot. What did you, would that you, man, I'm having issues. <laughs> Revelation 3, 15 through 16. Let's try it again. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. We don't want to be lukewarm Christians in how we live or in how we worship. Amen? And I love what it says here. Praise befits the upright. See, befit is just a, a, a fancy word for appropriate. Like you see, those, those clothes were befitting of a king. All that means is that it's appropriate. They're saying praise is appropriate for the upright. And if you are saved this morning, if you are, if you are born again, if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you are righteous. You are upright because of his finished work, and praise is appropriate for you. Amen? That's what we're designed to do. Psalm 63 says, O oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. It's funny, as Joanna was speaking this morning and uh, talking about the deserts and stuff like that, as they were, all the ladies were speaking. Oh, Monique, you said something, too, that I was going to repeat today, and now I forgot what it was. But anyway, as the ladies were speaking about the, the deserts, and, and oh, that's what you were saying. You were talking about when you were getting down on your hands and knees and crying out, God, nobody cared what other people were thinking. It's funny, they're up here speaking, and I'm like, they're preaching my message for me. And then, yeah, Monique started talking about the desert, you know, and through the desert, they're, they're looking at getting through that to bloom, and, and I'm like, the scriptures I picked to talk today are speaking directly on it. It says, oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You see, when we're, when we're in those, without God, we are in a desert. But with him, he's the one that waters our soul. Why do we worship? Because he is God. Because he is worth it. Because our soul longs for him. Because he is the one who has completed us. He's the one who has made us brand new. Because we need him. Because we love him. How could we not worship? I mean, if you think about it, it's crazy that we wouldn't throw up our hands and worship, close our eyes and just sing at the top of our voice because he is so worthy. So this morning as we close out the service, right now let's resolve to be a people who are willing to just worship God with abandon and with passion.
Amen? Let's be those people. And not worry about what other people are thinking or saying. But let's just worship. Amen? As we go ahead and, man, go ahead and finish the service this morning. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. But I would be remiss if we preached on worship this entire morning and we didn't have an opportunity to express that worship.